Welcome to Off The Record. I'm your host, Marika, and I'm a dietitian, nutritionist, and recovering perfectionist. Join me each week as I bring you raw and real conversations with inspiring men and women discussing matters in health and nutrition that are often swept under the rug. Sit back, relax, pour yourself a cup of coffee or a wine, and enjoy learning from conversations that help us to understand the messiness of what it means to be a healthy and balanced human. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode. Today's episode, we are going to chat about journaling and meditation and rest and recovery and all of those things that we need to do to be a little bit more slower, a little bit more mindful. Um, And also in particular, talking about some strategies to, I guess, begin in um, journaling and meditation and also why it's so important. And I'll share a little bit about my story and how I got into these things, because for me, journaling and meditation in particular have really contributed to the improvement of my mental well-being and also I guess my ability what's the right word I'm going to not use the right words here um, my ability to think clearly to focus to be more compassionate towards myself and I would even say to be more mature and maybe that would have happened with age I don't know but I feel like meditation and journaling has helped me to be a better person in general. So I am a huge advocate for journaling and meditation. Um, So yeah, this episode will go through some ways to do it and some of those science-backed health benefits of journaling and meditation. Now, before I get into that, I wanted to chat to you guys a little bit about rest and allowing yourselves time to recover. Now, The reason I'm talking about this is because personally, I've had a few big weeks over the last few weeks and I have actually just come off the back of quite a few days of doing absolutely nothing. And I guess the purpose of me sharing this with you is that I really want you to know that if your body is telling you that you need to stop, that you need to slow down, that you need to rest more. I really encourage you to tune in and to listen to that. And I think that this is why it ties in with the meditation is that meditation and journaling has really helped me to become more aware of my body, more aware of what I'm feeling both emotionally, but also physically as well, which has then meant it's easier for me to um, trust my body and to be able to listen to that. And then also have the compassion to be able to, I guess, act upon um, listening to that and give myself rest and allow myself rest without the judgment or without the self-criticism. So I think that it ties in really nicely. So what I wanted to say with rest is that you don't have to work for rest. You don't have to have achieved anything in order to have rest days. You don't have to be exercising in order to need to have a full day in bed. There are many, many reasons why we get fatigued, why we feel burnt out, why we feel overworked um, or why we feel like our body is just saying hell no. And it doesn't matter what that reason is. And it doesn't even matter if you don't know what that reason is. If you're waking up in the morning And your body is screaming at you to stay in bed, to recover, to rejuvenate. If you can, and I know it's a privilege to be able to do this, but if you can, 
try and do that. Try and give yourself and allow yourself some time to rest and recover. Now, what is rest and recovery? I want to emphasize here that rest and recovery is not necessarily binge watching, you know, Netflix all day or it's not scrolling on your iPhone all day. To me, rest and recovery is more intentional than that, particularly when your body is screaming at you like this. So it is sleep. It is like switching off the TV. It's switching off the the social media and it's having time where you are literally not doing anything. You're reading a book or you're staring at the ceiling or you're sound asleep. Again, this is a luxury if you've got kids and this might not be possible, but trying as best as you can to be able to give yourself this proper rest time. It might involve, you know, getting massages and those sorts of more physical um, ways that you can rest your body. But I, I, I think there's a time and a place for binge watching on Netflix. But if you're really burnt out and exhausted, I think that it's important that we do have some time where we're not, I guess, consuming more information. Um, yeah. I think that it sort of is counterproductive depending on what you're consuming. But like if you're watching anxiety provoking series or whatever it is, which I tend to do all the time, the most anxious human on the planet. And then I go and watch the most anxiety provoking Netflix series. Don't ask me why. Um, but yeah, if you're doing that, it's probably not conducive to rest. And again, the reason, like I said, why I'm talking about this is because for me, it's come up a lot over the last couple of weeks. And yeah, I've had to push on, you know, quite a bit with work and, you know, get things done. But it was all with knowing that I would have time at the end of this to have a few days where I really could do nothing at all. And I think it's important not to beat yourself up if you spend 24 hours in bed. Like if the only thing that you're doing is getting out to get some food and water and cross the toilet and then come back to bed, that is not a failure in any sense. And it, as I said, you don't have to earn that as well. Like if you are exhausted because of work or, you know, if you're exhausted because you've got kids or you're exhausted because of life, they are all valid reasons for you to be exhausted. You don't have to be training for a marathon or you don't have to be, you know, in the most stressful job in the world to be like, to be deserving of being exhausted. Keeping in mind, we're coming out of the back of a pandemic, like if any time in the world we have a reason to be exhausted, we've just had two years of a pandemic or we're still in it. So um, I think we all have valid reason to feel that way. So please, if you can acknowledge that. And now we will talk about meditation and journaling. So we definitely have come a long way, I think, with the research around meditation and journaling um, over the last sort of five to 10 years, um, but also the last sort of 10 to 15 years in particular. I think um, when I first started getting into meditation, it was still a bit woo-woo. Um, it was a bit like, oh, you know, like you do that if you live in Byron Bay and you don't wear shoes anywhere. Um, but now it's a lot more mainstream. And I think that is thanks to obviously a lot of awareness around it, but on the back of a lot of research that's showing health benefits um, from doing practices of meditation and mindfulness practices. So some of those health benefits that we see as a result of uh, meditating or engaging in mindfulness practices, I'm going to go through a few of them. So one in particular that I guess really helped me to get into it was um, the help with stress management. So helping to reduce feelings of stress um, and anxiety as well. 
Um, there has also been research that shows a reduction in depressive symptoms and an improvement in mood. Um, we've seen research that helps uh, meditation, sorry, helps to increase focus and attention. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, one of the things that it really does do is, in particular I've noticed, is increase in our ability to have compassion, self-awareness and self-compassion as well. So I think that um, they're all obviously incredible benefits that we see. The other thing that we are starting to see from the research as well is that it actually changes our brain. So it's changing the way that our brain looks and performs. So it's changing, you know, the amount of gray matter that we see in our brain. It's changing the way that our, um, I guess, electrical conductivity is occurring within our brain. So it's not something that's just like, <laughs> it's like there's literally changes happening in our brain when we are meditating. And then if we are a regular meditator or mindfulness practicer, <laughs> I think it's a word, but um, then we are seeing these long-term changes in the brain, which are then helping to reduce risks of chronic disease and those sorts of things as well. Because keeping in mind things like stress um, and anxiety and mental health concerns also compound with so many other um, more chronic diseases, so things like cardiovascular disease and type 2 diabetes and in particular Alzheimer's disease. So we are seeing a lot of um, crossover of research there. One of the things that I found personally really challenging about meditation is knowing that you have all of these fantastic health benefits is great, but we're not particularly motivated by long-term health benefits. If we were, there'd be so many other things that we'd be doing. Um, we are very much motivated by short-term benefits. And I find that this is where meditation can be great for some people or more challenging for others. And for me personally, it has been more challenging where I did not see the immediate benefits of meditation. So like, you know, the first time I meditated or the first hundred times I meditated, I wouldn't finish the meditation and be like, oh, yes so zen, so happy, like mood is great. That was not the case. And in fact, it was probably quite the opposite for a, a long period of time. And I'll get into why that was, because I think that I was approaching it with the wrong mindset. Um, so I'm, I've got a little trick that you can do um, where it helps you to change the way that you view meditation. Um, but yeah, so what I'm saying is that like, if we were to focus on these long-term benefits, then yeah, we'd be super stoked about what we're contributing to, but we don't often, particularly in the early days, see benefits from meditation until we become a bit more of a regular practice practicer. <laughs> um, and I think that this is where I love to use an analogy is that the same applies for brushing your teeth. When you brush your teeth, you are not doing it necessarily. I mean, sometimes we are because it you know makes your mouth feel minty and fresh, but one of the reasons why we brush our teeth is because it prevents long-term damage. So it prevents us getting cavities, prevents us, you know, all sorts of gum diseases and whatnot. I don't know enough about dentistry to go any further on that, but it is good for us. We know that brushing our teeth daily is good for our long-term oral health. So we do it every day. And meditation to me is something that I think that we should start to view like brushing our teeth. So yeah, okay, we probably will at some point get that short-term benefit, like that minty fresh feeling. 
which will be the immediate relaxation that we get from a meditation. We may not get that to begin with, but we might. But what the reason why we're doing it is to look after our long-term health and well-being and to improve the way our brain functions and the way that we think and the way that we, I guess, engage with the world. The other thing I like about this analogy is that so many people, one of the barriers that they say to me with starting meditation in particular is that they don't like it. It's it's not enjoyable. It's not for them. And my, I, I sort of go back to the analogy about toothpaste, sorry, toothpaste, about brushing your teeth here is that not many people also like brushing their teeth. Like it's not a fun activity to do. It's not something that you wake up in the morning and you're like, hell yeah, can't wait to brush my teeth. It's like you don't attach emotion to it because it's just something that you do because it's good for you. So you're not necessarily dreading brushing your teeth, but you're also not looking forward to it. It's just, it is like, it's just an activity. It's something that you do. And I think if we approached meditation in this same way, that we wouldn't be putting the pressure on ourselves to see a result straight away or to be able to enjoy it or disdain it. Like it doesn't matter how we feel about it. It's just like something that we do to improve our well-being. So I personally love that way of thinking about it. The other thing about meditation is that if we look at, I guess, the definition of meditation is that it's a practice where we're using a technique like mindfulness or like focusing on the mind or an object or a thought um, and training our attention to, I guess, retain mindfulness on that one thing. So it's about creating like yeah, this calm state where we are focusing our attention on typically one thing at a time. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have other thoughts come in, but it's about, I guess, training that attention and awareness to return to the focus on either the breath or the voice of the guided meditation that you're listening to or, you know, whatever it is that you are focusing on during this meditation. So what this brings me to is that to, in order to meditate, you don't necessarily need to meditate. And what I mean by this is that the traditional way of meditating, I guess, is, um, you know, sitting down and listening to a guided meditation or paying attention to your breath. And that might work for some. And that's what I need to do for me. But for example, my partner, he says his meditation is surfing and I so get that. I mean, I don't surf, I could not surf to save myself, but I can so see how an activity like surfing could be incredibly meditative because you can focus on only one thing. You can focus on the wave and the way that the ocean is, I don't know anything about surfing. So the way that the wave is approaching or, you know, the things that you need to pay attention to in order to catch that wave. And let's say that was your form of meditating. It would be really important to, I guess, make sure that you're not, you know, getting distracted by thoughts or getting distracted by all other things that your brain could be, you know, jumping about to, but rather being really present and mindful in that moment about, as I said, the wave or, the ocean or whatever it is that you're paying attention to. So I think that, yeah, you can absolutely meditate in so many different ways. Like some people say for them, it's running. For me, it is absolutely not running, but um, there's so many ways that you can meditate. So where should you begin when you are first getting into meditating? I can only speak to my experience. And for me, getting into guided meditations is hands down the way that 
I would recommend, again, just based on my experience, because as somebody who has a like monkey brain that's just pinging from one thing to the next, I need somebody to, um, I guess, tell me what to focus on. Because if I'm just trying to focus on my breath or, you know, do my own body scan or something like that, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> there's no way that I am staying on that one thing for very long. So I need to have that constant, um, that constant speech in my ears telling me, you know, what to focus on next or telling me, prompting me to do certain things because that is helping me stay present in the moment. So I personally find guided meditations um, really useful in that sense. And particularly if you're a beginner. Now, the other thing I think for beginners, and I wish I had known earlier because I think that had I had this approach to it earlier, I probably would have seen those immediate benefits sooner. I'm a perfectionist. If you don't know, (laughs) I feel like that's well and truly clear, but what was happening was that when I was meditating, I was getting really frustrated even that I felt like I was failing at meditating. And I know that sounds stupid because it's like, you can't fail at meditating, but trust me, when you're a perfectionist, you can fail at anything. And so I was failing at meditating. So what I decided to do is I heard this from, it was a conference I was at a long time ago and I can't remember for the life of me who it was, but I overheard a psychologist talking about a strategy um, or not even a strategy, a way to describe meditation. And so the thing with meditation is that it is really training our brain. So it's helping our brain get stronger. So I really liked this um, way of talking about it. And so what she described is that Every time your mind wanders, every time your thoughts go into your shopping list or your to-do list or what you did yesterday or what you're going to do tomorrow, every time you notice that, what you're supposed to do in meditation is then bring your awareness back to the present moment. So back to, you know, the voice that you were listening to or back to your breath. And so I used to get frustrated with myself because I would meditate and you know, every 10 seconds I'm off thinking about something else. And so I'd finish the meditation frustrated because I've just spent 20 minutes thinking about my shopping list. And, you know, I've caught myself thinking about it multiple times and I've brought my awareness back to the meditation multiple times, but I'm so annoyed because I feel like I'm just jumping back and forth this whole time. Anyway, the way that she described this is that like, Every time that you bring your mind back to the present moment, so every time you notice that you're thinking about your shopping list and you bring your awareness back to your body or back to the the guided meditation, that's like doing a bicep curl for your brain. That moment where you notice and then you bring the awareness back is doing one rep. And so every time you do that, your brain is getting stronger. So that for me was a huge moment where I was able to reframe my failure in meditation and turn it into something that was much more positive and I guess for a perfectionist was much more um, acceptable and achieving because what I would do then at the end of the meditation is I would be able to finish the meditation and sort of be like okay well yeah like I thought about my shopping list 50 times but that means that I did 50 bicep curls for my brain so that means my brain's getting stronger go me. Um, so I think that that's a really good way to think about meditation. And as I said, that's something that I wish I had known at the early stages of meditation, because it really did, I guess, help me be more compassionate towards myself when it came to meditation. So take that one with you. 
Before I move on to journaling, I wanted to mention one of the other major benefits that I've personally seen as uh, someone who meditates semi-regularly now. Um, Actually, a few of the benefits. One of which is I feel more in control of my emotional state. And what I mean by that is not that I can switch on and off what I'm feeling or anything like that, but I feel like I'm much more accepting of the way that I am. So for example, you know, if I'm having like an anxiety attack or if I'm, you know, having a complete meltdown, I can acknowledge that this is here, that this is happening, that this is temporary, that it will pass. And when it comes to anxiety in particular, what I found is it's given me a bit more control. So it's, I guess, and for anyone who has anxiety, if you don't have anxiety, this might not make sense. But anyone who has anxiety, you might understand that like when you are having an anxiety attack or you're really, really anxious, it can be really hard to bring yourself back into the moment and really hard to calm yourself down. And again, this is where it's only going to relate to people who maybe have anxiety. When you're in that moment, part of you doesn't want it to stop. And I don't know how else to describe that, but like you sort of can sit there and think, oh, you know, I could know I could go for a walk and that would make me feel better. Or I could splash cold water on my face and that would make me feel better. But like you almost sort of want to buy into this anxiety attack that's happening and you just want to like run with it because your body's just doing it. And I, I don't know how else to explain it. But um, what I found is one of the benefits of meditating is that it's given me another option that like I know that I can get a bit more control over that anxiety when I meditate. And so that's not to say that I'm going to go into a meditative state then and there. Like I, I don't think I've ever really meditated in the middle of really heightened anxiety because again, I, I get into that state where you sort of like, you just roll with the punches and you just keep going with it. But what I know now from meditating is that I guess I have more peace in that I know that it will pass and I know that I can reduce the severity of the anxiety by meditating and I know that I can reduce the severity by slowing my breath down. I know that that these things, whether I do them right now or whether I do them daily over a long period of time, that they are going to contribute. And so I feel like I have a bit more control as opposed to before I started meditating and even before, you know, I realized that I had anxiety, I felt like all of these things were happening to me. Whereas now I can sort of, I guess, sit back and notice that they're happening as opposed to feel like they're being imposed on me. Before I move on to um, journaling as well, I wanted to say that I'm not a good meditator. Like I feel like I've just spoken for the last 20 minutes talking about meditation in a way that maybe will give the assumption that I can meditate. I still can't. Like I, I try every other day. Um, I will actually probably most days I'll put on a guided meditation at least once a day, whether it be in the morning or when I'm going to sleep at night. But that doesn't mean I'm good at it. It doesn't mean that I get this like Zen state where I'm like floating up in the sky. That doesn't happen for me very often at all. But that doesn't mean that I don't get the benefits from it. So that's what I want to encourage is that You don't have to be in this perfectly tranquil place in order to get benefits from meditating. It's the behavior itself 
that you'll get the benefits from regardless of whether you're good at it or not. Okay, journaling. Journaling for me is where the real action happens. Honestly, if it wasn't for journaling, God, would I even be here? <laughs> I Journaling is my outlet. It is the way that I stay sane. It is the way that I get to know myself better. It is the way that I understand the way my brain works. It is honestly everything to me. And I was thinking the other day, <laughs> this sounds so pathetic, but I was thinking if my house was burning down, I what would I grab? If I only had a few things to grab, I think one of the very first things that I would grab would be my journals. And there's a few reasons for that is that it... I guess there's so much that I've documented in the journal, my journals over the years um, that I feel like I probably wouldn't even have memory of if I didn't have them there. Um, but the other thing is that it's been such an outlet for me that I would almost feel like that I'm losing part of me if I lost my journals as well. I know that's not true, but like it's like I've put I've put my life on paper and yeah, I, I would hate to lose that. And again, if I did lose it, it's not the end of the world, but it's something that has just been so transformative in my life and something that I encourage literally everyone to do. Whether you think you've got anything to say or not, I and we'll get to this, I think it's beneficial. And journaling for me, I think actually became um, a thing for me well before I started meditating. Um, and honestly, the way that I began journaling was really in what the terms I'm going to use now is superficial. Like it wasn't deep and meaningful or reflective or anything like that. It was very much like, what am I going to do today? Like what's been on my mind or um, what am I working towards? Like it would be really dot pointy. It would be really like things that I'm looking forward to or to do lists and those sorts of things. And I think that that is a perfectly fine way to start the process of journaling because any way to start getting things out of your mind and onto paper is beneficial for your mind because the more that your mind is sitting there processing and overthinking and going through all of the things that you need to do, the more work it's having to do and therefore the less space for peace that you've got. So I think that having a journal is essential. I think that everybody should. Um, and yeah, as I said, a good starting point is just to start dumping thoughts or to-do lists onto it. The next thing, though, if you're wanting to, I guess, take it a bit further from there is just to start asking yourself at the end, depending on whether you do it at the end of the day or the beginning of today is how am I feeling and just writing what comes to you. And I think where people go wrong with journaling is that they feel like they're having to write a story for somebody else to read. This is not something anybody else will ever read. Um, this is literally just for you. It doesn't matter if you type, like typos, you're writing it. It doesn't matter if you do spelling mistakes. It doesn't matter if it's messy. It doesn't matter if you repeat the same sentence four times in a row. You write whatever comes to your mind. So I really like to, when I'm journaling, is to just let the words come. And sometimes, you know, my journals, like if I do a, an entry at nighttime, it might be a couple of lines one night because I'm just nah, not feeling it. And then other nights it might be three or four pages. So let things come. And I think that the more you do it, the more benefit you see from it and the easier it becomes. 
What I would suggest with journaling though, is try and commit to doing it regularly. So ideally I would say every day, but here I am and I'm not perfect. I don't do it every day, but I would say do it most days. Um, But committing to do it regularly helps you to get in the habit where you get, this is your, like you give your brain an opportunity to offload. And this is why I think it's really good thing to do in the evening because you can do it before you go to bed and essentially ask yourself and, and literally write down this question on paper is what's on my mind? What do I need to get off my mind before I get into bed? Like think about what are all the things that my brain is going to run through when I'm in bed and let's do it now so that you can dump it all onto paper and then that way, when you get into bed, when your mind starts going through those things, you can tell your mind, you can go, you know, we've, we've sorted this out. Like we've written it down. It's there. We know we've got to do that tomorrow or we've already thought through this. There's no point in us thinking through it more and then allowing yourself to be able to sleep better. So I think personally journaling in the evening is probably more beneficial. Um, but personally, I actually prefer journaling in the morning just because it works better with my schedule. So the thing with journaling is that you've got to be really non-judgmental to yourself as well and really honest with yourself, which can be really challenging if obviously you're worried about people reading your journal or anything like that. So I definitely recommend um, keeping your journals private and, you know, ensuring that no one else has access to them because this is really your space to get honest with yourself and to talk to yourself about what you're feeling. And I think for so many of us, you know, we're brought up in a world where we don't really talk about the hardest things that are going on for us. And I think that this is a way that we can sort of talk to ourselves about it. And in a way that it sort of makes it not seem like we're so crazy talking to ourselves. Um, No, what I mean is it makes it, uh, it gives distance from us. It gives us distance from our own thoughts. So Once we see our thoughts on paper and once we get them out of our head, they don't seem so big and so sticky. And I don't know if sticky is the right word, but that's the word that comes to mind. Um, So when I'm having days where I'm personally feeling in my head and I'm feeling that, you know, there's just so much going on and I feel so distracted, what I'll do is I'll whip out my journal and I won't even know what I want to write down, but I'll just say to myself, just write, whatever it is. And sometimes I'm not kidding when I say, I literally will write, I don't know what I want to write. I don't know what I want to talk about. I'm annoyed. I don't want to be here writing in my journal. Like I will literally write those words because for me, that's the precursor to getting going. And eventually I'll get to something. Now, I think again here with like with meditation is that the expectation shouldn't be that you have groundbreaking, you know, um, revelations in a short period of time. For me, some of the groundbreaking revelations that I've had with journaling have come years after beginning meditating. So, um, yeah, don't again expect short term benefits from it, but you quite well will get short term benefits from just getting things off your chest and onto paper. So if you need a journal prompt to, I guess, help you with your journaling and to help you begin, the best one that I think is one that you can literally use every single day, which is simply, how are you? How was your day? And if you ask yourself that at the end of each day and you answer honestly, 
I think that that is such a beautiful way to journal because asking yourself how you are and what's been happening for you is really what I personally have found journaling beneficial for is unpacking my day and unpacking my feelings and emotions and everything. So I think that that's um, probably the most beneficial and the most simple journaling prompt that you could do because it really will lead then into anything. Um, It will take you down paths where you need to go in order to sort of resolve things that you're feeling. Now, the other thing I want to say here is that, you know, if you're dealing with big things, that doing this alongside a psychologist is obviously something that I would definitely suggest. And I think if you are doing psychology, that doing journaling is also a really good tool to sort of work alongside that. And I would take my journal with me to my psychology sessions because that's my way of remembering sort of things that I've, you know, I can flick back and look at dates and whatnot and be like, oh, on this day, I had this really bad day because of X, Y, and Z. Like, can we talk about this? So it sort of gives you a way that you can, um, you know, take notes on, on maybe exercises that your psychologist has got you to do, but also helps you to remember the things that might've come up for you in between your sessions with your psychologist. So could not be a bigger advocate for journaling. Finally, my last tip for journaling is an odd one but it is to get a journal and a pen that you enjoy writing in. And I cannot stress this enough because if I'm like one of those people who it's one pen, like that's it. There's only one type of pen that I like and same with paper. Like if the paper is not thick enough or it's too thin or whatever it is, then I'm just not happy and I'm not going to write. So find the right journal and the right pen for you. And it really does make a difference but also potentially set a time of the day for you to journal. So is it in the morning before you have your coffee or before you have brekkie or is it before you get into bed at night and try and create like a little bit of a ritual around that. So it might be that you grab your cup of tea in the morning or your cup of tea in the evening and, or a bit of water and you sit down at your desk and you do it, um, create a little routine because it will help you create either a morning routine or an evening routine, which is so good for our mental health as well. On that note, my suggestion for journals, Kiki K, their journals, the paper, just, yeah, so good. The leather, um, the leather cover ones, highly recommend, not sponsored, just good, good journals. Anyway, that is all I've got to say on journaling and meditation at this point in time. I will be recording an episode a little bit later down the track with a meditation expert who will talk us talk to us a little bit more about um, meditation and I guess how we can get into these meditative states and everything. So that's coming in a couple of weeks as well. Um, but yeah, I really just wanted to start this um, conversation around journaling and meditation because like I said, it has been so transformative in my mental well-being. And I guess one of the things that going through my journey with um, yeah, anxiety and everything that I really want to um, support other people who who have gone through similar things, but also having worked with so many people with emotional eating and like, you know, binge eating and all of these um, things that come off the back of not dealing with our emotions. Um, I think that journaling and meditation are really an integral like pillar in healthy eating and in health in general. And I honestly don't know how we can really be 
well-rounded in our health if we're not including some form of meditation where we're like we're focusing our attention on one thing at a time and some form of self-reflection so for me best form of self-reflection is journaling but obviously there are other ways to do this as well so hope you enjoyed that episode if you haven't yet go out and get yourself a journal go out and get yourself a pen that you love and um, start journaling. And I will look forward to hearing from you guys to see how you go with your journaling and your meditation practice. I know meditation is yeah a hard thing to, to get into and a hard thing to do, but I really encourage you to give it a go and just to see how it feels in your life and in what way that meditation might be a form in your life. So yeah, is it running? Is it surfing? Is it jujitsu? Is it actually meditating? Um, so many different ways that you can do it. If you love this episode, I obviously always love it when you guys share on social media. So please feel free to tag me at Marika Day on Instagram because I love, love, love seeing you guys listen to the potty. Um, And if you've got any questions that you want me or any topics that you want me to answer or cover in the coming weeks, please just send me a DM. Again, love hearing from you guys. So um, yeah, slide on into my DMs. Have a fab rest of your week and I will check.